You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. All right, keep your Bibles out here. First Timothy chapter number uh, two. I think about the condition of our nation and, you know, oftentimes we, we think it's somebody else's job to fix it. We think the responsibility is somebody else's and what can we do? What can I, as just an individual, what can I do not only to change a nation, but what can I really do for the cause of Christ? What can I do for the, the kingdom of God and the expectation God has for us to expand his kingdom? You know, the Lord didn't start the church for the church to just be us for and no more. You know, the, the church is not a, it's not a lodge. It's not a, just a lion's club where we howdy and get together and, and just enjoy our time together. That's why churches are dying. You know why? Because they are not bringing in new life. When there is no, no new life, there is death. And churches that are not bringing in new life are doomed to die. Why? Because all of us have a lifespan. And if every one of us stayed faithful to the end of our life, it's not very long before these doors are closed, if nobody knew is coming in. You see, there has to be, there has to be life. And with that being the case, somebody's got to bring in new life. Yep. And who's going to be the ones doing that? We okay? We all right this morning? We're still Baptists. You can say amen. amen. Shake your head, nod, oh me, oh my, amen, something. But the reality is there is a responsibility to continue the kingdom and expand the kingdom, and the Great Commission has not gone away. This week, 36 years ago, I was at a youth conference, and I surrendered my life to preach the gospel. One person. And sometimes we have this idea that it's just the pastor, that the person that has surrendered to full-time ministry, that it's their job, and we just come along and help here and there, and that's really all that it is. But we've seen what, a, what that has done to our country. If there is a disengaged believer, a disengaged Christian there is an ineffective church. And the church is only as strong as the people of the church. And the outreach is only as expansive as the membership, the people, the body of believers are willing to be a part of. You know, our nation is in a mess, and as we could go back to Second Chronicles, you know, what do we find? 
It's not the world's fault. God said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sins and will heal their land. And in that, what do we find? We find that God looks at the condition of the nation and he puts the responsibility on the people of God. That means that we can make a difference. You know what the greatest thing that we can do to change our country is to be a witness for the Savior. You know what? You win somebody to Christ, it changes who they are. That's a reality. And, and with that, we find that there's a responsibility. This morning, as we look, uh, I want to look at again at our text. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, first of all, primarily, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good. This is good. Don't you want to lead a quiet and peaceable life? Don't you, don't you wish Washington would get out of your life? Don't you wish Sacramento would get out of your everyday life? God gives us some instructions here. He says that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of our God and Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. And we're, we're this morning, I'm going to, uh, the, the message, though it can apply patriotic, and there'll be a little bit of uh, connection there, but the reality is, it's not just the preacher who's called. Title of the message this morning is, we are all called. We are all called. Every one of us are called to make a difference. But what happens when somebody doesn't answer the call? You know, I could have done something different than ministry. There's a, there was a choice. There was a decision. And though God doesn't call us all to be in full-time Christian service, He does call us all to be a full-time Christian. That means that your purpose is just as valuable as my purpose. When you go into your workplace, there are people that you have an influence over. And the Bible tells us, whether therefore you eat or drink, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And that means that you as a believer, your, your Monday to Friday occupation can be just as impactful for the Lord. Amen. There's purpose that's there. We are all 
called. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning. Give us what we need. Give me your power as I preach. Lord, if there's one here today that does not know you, may you uh, work in their hearts, draw them to yourself. And Lord, may all of us uh, recognize the responsibility you have given to us. So help us, please. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. We are all called. So what are we called to do? First of all, verse number one, we are called to pray. Uh, We are called to pray. I exhort, therefore, the Apostle Paul, uh, speaking to a young pastor by the name of Timothy, the Timothy, 1st and 2nd Timothy, uh, Titus, they're called the pastoral epistles, and and they, they teach us how the church is to be operated. It's not just the pastor's information on what he is supposed to do. It is how the church is supposed to be run, operated. And so the the organization, the, uh, organization we see in the book of Acts, the, the church in action uh, and the believers in action, fulfilling uh, the, the plan that God has given to us. But here, uh, what do we find? Paul here is telling, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, uh, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Uh, number one, we are all called to pray. We're called to pray. You know what? No matter how long you have been saved, if you are saved this morning, uh, God is your father. If you're not saved, that's not the case. But it can be the case. I'm so thankful uh, that uh, I accepted Christ as my personal savior. April 23rd, 1983. Does anybody else want to repeat this for me? And, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, you know my, my salvation testimony uh, because I tell it in the first and third Sunday of every month just about. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I love telling my testimony. Why? Because of what God did in my life. You know, because of that, because I accepted Christ as my personal Savior, God is my Father, Jesus is my Savior, the Holy Spirit is uh, indwells, comforts, and convicts. Uh, he changes us. He makes us a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Praise the Lord. What a blessing. Uh, but, but as a child of God, I have been called to pray. But I haven't been called to pray any more than you have been called to pray. Paul said, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men. This, this, uh, this admonition, this exhortation, it is an exhortation that we communicate with our God. And let me tell you something, if we have ever needed God in America, we need God today. We need God today. There is a spiritual battle that is going on. Let me tell you, uh, we will not have power with God as a church. We will not have power with God in our prayer uh, and in our uh, needs and necessities without prayer. We cannot uh, have power without prayer. You look back at the disciples and they found themselves uh, casting out devils and there were some that they could not cast out. They came back to the Lord, and uh, the Lord cast those, those demons out. And after the person left, uh, the disciples looked at the Lord and said, uh, why could we not cast out these devils? And the Lord looked at him and said, this kind cometh not only but by, only but by prayer and fasting. You see, there is spiritual authority in prayer and fasting. 
spiritual authority. And here as believers, if we are not praying, we have no spiritual authority. We have no spiritual power. Uh, fasting, uh, the prayer and fasting tied together, uh, it gives, God gives us power as we pray and as we fast. But let me tell you something. It's not just the pastor. It's not just the staff. It's not just the faithful men, uh, the leadership. It is God's people as a whole. Every one of us need to be praying. We need to be fast. We need prayer. We've been called to prayer. You know why we don't have spiritual inclinations? Because we don't communicate to God. Prayer. So, Pastor, I just don't really have anything to pray about. I've been there. There have been times where it's like, okay, it's my prayer time. And you start to pray and then you sort of just sort of trail off with everything else. Was there not anything to occupy that time? Absolutely. But sometimes we get distracted. You see, there is a great need of prayer. There's a great need of prayer. You know why we struggle with prayer? is because we are not diligent. You just stop and think about the people that you care about in your life. You, you can't know too many people without knowing a whole lot of problems. That's reality. And the more people that you know, the more needs that you know about, the more necessity that people have, the more burdens that people carry. And as we start thinking about it, and we start thinking about the people uh, that we know and the needs that they have, and, uh, and there are a lot of things that can occupy our prayer. I go back to the Garden of Gethsemane, and the Lord went apart, and he prayed, and he came back to the disciples, and they were sleeping, and he said, could you not watch one hour? You know, when I was a first, first saved, somebody talked about praying for an hour. I thought, what do you say for an hour? But the more people you know, the more needs that you personally have or you know that they have, an hour can pass by very quickly. And I'm not saying everybody needs to spend an hour in prayer every day, but we need to spend time in prayer. Lord, thank you for the food. Amen is not cutting it. And our time in prayer will also, it changes our heart. You pray for somebody, you've got a heart for them. People are out. I, w I wish I had a photographic memory where, you know, somebody is missing that I always picked up on it right away. I don't. I try to. But I pray about it. 
Miss Dolores was sick. But I was praying for her yesterday because I hadn't seen her. And she's back this morning. She said, well, pastor, I was out sick. You know, some, sometimes just caring about the needs of other people, it keeps you connected. When you are praying about, uh, when you are praying about the situations that are going on in the world around you, all of a sudden, you have more of a spiritual mindset. Why? Because we see the needs. We see the necessities of everything that is going on. And so we are called to pray. Uh, and it's something we can all do better at. Our communication with God, our thoughtfulness to be able to stop and articulate a conversation with God. Prayers work. It's work. I remember when Deb and I were dating. It was a long time ago. And uh, we still go out on dates. But uh, anyway, when we were first dating, she would, she would write me a note just about every day. And it would be front, back, front, back, front. It would be three, four pages. And I'd get a little post-it note. How are you? <laughs> You know, I didn't know how to communicate. I didn't know what to do. What am I going to say? Guys, you know what I'm talking about. You come home from work, and the wife says, what'd you do today? Work. And they want a little bit more uh, information about that. Uh, Okay, well, what'd you do at work? The same thing I did yesterday. (laughs) But what is it? That communication, it's work. Why? Because you have to stop and think about what was it that is, what does she want me to communicate? You know what? What does God want me to talk about? What is it that God cares about and he wants me to care about? You know, people say, well, you know, you shouldn't ever talk about politics or religion. If you can't talk to anybody about and you have to leave politics and religion out, you have nothing of substance to talk about. It's elevator conversation. Hey, how you doing? How was the river? It was good. What's your golf score? I mean... There's, there's nothing of real value that is going on. Uh, and you know, when we come to God, maybe we have a problem communicating with God because we don't really even know what God cares about. We need to pray. We need to pray. He said, I exhort therefore, first of all, not if I have time, tasks. I am, I'm a task-oriented person, and I've got my task list, and I have another task list, and another task list, and I do. I have multiple stages of task lists and projects, and I never finish that list. If I had to wait till everything else was done, my time with God would never be there. You know what it comes down to? It comes down to priorities. You will pray, but you will pray when it becomes a priority for you. 
And unfortunately, it will only become a priority in many people's life when they are the one that has the need. When it's your family member that had a car wreck. When it's your friend that is diagnosed with or your child that's diagnosed with cancer. When you're the one that's about to lose your house. You know, we are so self-centered. We focus so much on us. Is that clock right back there? All right. You see, we are all called to pray. You know, we have to have that thoughtfulness to be able to articulate uh, our requests. Maybe it's strength for the journey, help for our trials in time of need, health uh, in our own life or uh, for our service and to be able to meet the needs of our family, uh, praying for our family and our spouse and uh, our children uh, and their future made and praying for uh, the grandchildren and their salvation and uh, parents and siblings and grandparents, uh, praying for our friends and the relationships that we have and the the needs that they are facing, uh, praying for our community, praying for our church, praying for our country. There are so many things to pray for, but we are all called to pray. All right, ushers, we've got some kids running around in the back foyer there, if you could help me with that. All right, so called number one to pray, called number two to pursue called to pursue. Let's look again uh, at verse number two. He said, uh, uh, for kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. You know, here this prayer for kings and all that are in authority, that means that there is a relationship that needs to be pursued. You know, we've got to be engaged. Our founding fathers were engaged in the process. There was, there was a process and the people were engaged. And when people of faith are unengaged in the process, no wonder wicked laws are passed. We rejoice that Roe v. Wade is, uh, has been overturned. But let me tell you, it didn't stop abortion. The battle still rages. That's still going on. But you know what? Abortion should have never been accepted into our country. What happened? Believers that understand the sanctity of life, they backed off and they let the unbelievers make the decisions and the laws and the rules and nobody was held accountable. Uh, What happened? They disengaged from the process and you and I, we need to pursue the process. We need to pursue and be engaged in what is going on. Why? Because if we are not, we will not be able to have that quiet and peaceable life. You know, not only are we to pray for the kings and and all that are in authority, we've got to put feet to those prayers. You know, there are people that will pray for God to meet their needs and sit at home and do nothing. And wonder why that prayer wasn't answered. And 
Welfare is not the answer to a prayer of God. Amen. God says, if we are not willing, if any man not be willing to work, neither should he eat. Amen. Welfare is not God's plan. Socialism is not God's plan. You know, the responsibility for the poor is on the church. It's not on the government. God's plan is for God's people to have pity. But what has happened? The government has got involved and they have messed everything up. It is an enabling issue. Why go to work if I'm going to get paid? Didn't we see that during COVID? Absolutely. You reward the lazy. Reward not working. And in doing so, uh, it's, it's detrimental. So churches have backed off. Why? Because the government is involved and there, is, there are resources uh, that are available. And so, uh, but what happened? You know what? The church should have been in, uh, uh, in, they should have been pursuing, they should have been a part of those conversations. But what happened? They backed off. Believers were not a part. They did not vote. So I sure hate some of these laws and rules coming out of Sacramento. But if you don't get out and vote, you're part of the problem. Well, what's one vote going to do? It's one more. <laughs> At least you know which side you're showing what side you're on. There was during the Civil War, there was uh, a lady that down south and the Union Army was coming in and uh, she was out there on her porch and she grabbed a, uh, she grabbed a broom and the soldiers came into the uh, property and she went out and she's, she's there she, and the, they could see that she was going to be aggressive with this broom. And, and they asked, ma'am, what are you going to do with that broom? She said, at least I can show you what side I'm on. And you know, uh, you know we need to be showing people what side we're on. We need to pursue. We need to be a part of the process. We need to pray, uh, but we need to, be, to interact with the kings and all that are in authority. Uh, without the prayer, without the interaction, peace will not be the result. Uh, John Adams, uh, second uh, uh, president of the United States, said this, the general principles on which the fathers in achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. I will avow that I then believed and now believed believe that those general principles of Christianity are as eternal and immutable as the existence and attributes of God. You know what? Our country uh, was started as a, uh, as a Christian nation. Our founding fathers believed that. And the, the very principles that they established, being biblical principles, what did they do? They set this nation up for success. And as the liberal crowds have tried and the universities have tried to undermine and erode the principles, we see the destruction as a result. 
You see, we have to stay involved. Prayers, absolutely. Uh, but also, uh, we need to uh, pursue. Thirdly, for time's sake here, I'm cutting stuff out. Uh, thirdly, uh, we are called to participate. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4. Uh, he said, Who will have all men to be saved and come to, unto the knowledge of the truth. I mentioned this a few moments ago. But the reason we need to pray, the reason we need to pursue, is so we can participate in sharing the gospel. That's what's going to change a world. That's what's going to change a nation. You know, God changes a nation one soul at a time. He'll change a family one soul at a time. You know, we need to make sure that if we know the truth... He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Uh, we know that's the, the truth. So we need to be sharing the Gospels, and we have to tell others about it. Patriotism is not enough by itself. Just loving America doesn't mean it's going to change America. We've got to engage in something that is going to bring about that change. Back during World, World War I, there was a lady by the name of Edith Cavell. And Edith was being brought up on charges uh, by the Germans. And Edith, as she was going to the firing squad, they were bringing uh, the uh, uh, bandana uh, to, uh, uh, to cover her eyes. And before Edith died, uh, she said this. It was just a powerful uh, statement. Uh, she said, I am glad to die for my country, but I realize my patriotism is not enough. She then gave a clear and de definite testimony of her personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the assurance of her salvation. And in doing so, she was shot and she died. But what did she find? She found that just living for her country and dying for her country wasn't enough. What was going to matter for eternity is the sharing of her faith. You know what? One of these days, we're going to get to the end of our life. That might come when we are a hundred it might come when we are 14. If you're past 14, it didn't come when you're 14. We don't know when that, is gonna, that day is coming, but that day is coming. And when that day comes, it will not matter how high you climb the corporate ladder. It will not matter what title is before or after your name. It will not matter how much money is in your bank or in your financial portfolio. You know what's going to matter? What have I done for Jesus? You know, believer, how you choose to live now 
the priorities that you place in your life, it is going to impact the future generations. You make decisions and I make decisions, but there are consequences for every one of them. You make a decision to get a, go a direction that leads you away from the Lord. What about your kid's salvation? Well, they're already saved, Pastor. Well, what about that wife or husband that they're going to meet? What principles are going to matter in their life? All of those have such a high impact. You might decide, well, I'm, I'm done, I'm saved, but I'm, I'm going to go do this, that, and the other. You may, by your actions, determine whether your grandkids are going to be saved or not. It's true. Why? Because of the influences that are there. You can choose to go to another church. There are churches all around the nation that will not preach the gospel. They can put whatever name on the door they want to. They can have a doctrinal statement on their website. But it's all about making people happy. And you can be in church and not growing as a believer. There's a responsibility that we have to share our faith. The greatest thing that we can do to change the condition of our nation is to win other people to Christ. That's, that's the goal. Why? Because it changes who they are. How many of you, before you were saved, you were a liberal? Oh, nobody's going to raise their hand. My, my hand's up. Boy, I embraced whatever. It didn't matter. There was no right, wrong. It was indifferent. You guys. Now I'm real concerned about whether we're going to tell anybody. <laughs> but what happens? You get saved, all of a sudden your moral value changes because you're you have a biblical worldview. You see things from a different perspective. It changes how you view the world. It changes how you view life. It changes how you view the future. It changes everything. And what happened? Uh, what was the difference? It was because uh, you are a new creation, a new creature. You had accepted Christ. The Holy Spirit comes in and God just changes who we are. If nothing changed and you profess salvation, I would go back and revisit my salvation testimony. And I've had people that told me, oh yeah, pastor, I'm saved, and they live like the devil. I have zero confidence in that salvation testimony. Why? Because all I know is what happened to me. And I know when I got saved, conviction came. Yeah. Amen. 
I mean, it was immediate. All of a sudden, things that I was doing before that I thought was fine, I, I had no preaching yet, teaching yet. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, I can't do that anymore. Where'd that come from? The Holy Spirit of God. Amen. To change a nation, one soul at a time. To change a community, one soul at a time. To change a family, one soul at a time. My mom and dad and sister on that Sunday morning, they got saved. And when they got saved, uh, what was it? Uh, Sunday night, it was, hey, we're going back to church. I was like, why? You already went to church. I skipped church Sunday morning. You know the story, so I'm not going to tell it. Uh, but I skipped just, uh, just so I wouldn't be at church on Sunday morning. And, and that Sunday afternoon or Sunday night, there's like, get ready. I said, for what? We're going to church. I said, you already went to church. We're going again. Go if you want. We had a knockdown drag out and I lost. I'm so glad that my mom and dad, when they got saved, they got saved. They got it. Let me tell you something, parents. Uh, you better get it. You better get it because it is going to impact the future of your children. It will impact the future generations that are yet to be born. It will impact uh, the eternal destiny and the, the blessings that they will get to enjoy. Aren't you thankful that as a child of God, God took away so much of that drama? Oh, my goodness. So much drama. I got saved not only from hell, I got saved from a life of destruction. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Deb and I, this next month, we celebrate 35 years of being married. 35 years. That would not have been possible without Christ. It's Him. You know what? We need the Lord in our life. And if we're going to enjoy the blessings that God has for us, we've got to be engaged. We're all called to pray. We're all called to pursue. We've got to be engaged in what's going on with our, with our legislature, with our, our state, our government, our local communities. We need to participate in sharing the gospel. How shall they hear in him whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? Romans 10. You see, we've got to communicate the truth. If you're saved and you're happy you're saved, is that you this morning? Then tell somebody. You go on vacation. I was going to use Disneyland as a as a uh, illustration, but Disneyland is not an illustration for anything good anymore. Probably never has been, but you know, you, you go on a vacation and you enjoy that time. You come back, you want to tell everybody. But then we don't feel like we can tell people about our Savior. There's something wrong with that thinking. We have to get to a place where we are participating. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Let me say that again. Christianity is not a spectator sport. We're not Presbyterian. 
Christianity is not a spectator sport. That means we're supposed to be engaged. And let's do it. We're all called. It's not just Brother David's responsibility. It's not just mine. It's not just staff's. It's every one of our responsibility. What could happen if every one of us started telling everybody that we come in contact with about how good God is? You know what will happen? People will start wondering, what's, what's going on? What's going on at that church? People will come. People will get saved. Lives will be transformed. Homes will be put back together. Praise the Lord. We're all called. Let's all answer that call. Father, I pray that you'd help us. Uh, Lord, you know the needs of each person here. And, and I do pray that you would help us to recognize our part in your plan for our life. And so uh, help us this morning. For those that are saved, I pray that they would uh, sense the urgency and the need uh, for decision uh, and for action to be a part of. Uh, uh, knowledge just isn't enough. And so I pray that you would help us to just follow you and make a decision to be engaged in your plan for our lives. So bless now, please. Heads bowed, eyes closed. How about it, child of God? Are you, are you engaged? Are you pursuing? Are you participating in the sharing of the gospel? I don't know what God's put on our heart, but he didn't give me this message for no reason at all. And if you're saved this morning, you say, Pastor, the Lord put his finger on something in my life. I am going to walk out of here and I'm going to do something different. I'm going to have more of a spiritual focus in my life. I'm going to take some of the truths that I learned. I'm going to apply them. You say, Pastor, that's me this morning. Nobody's looking around. Just slip your hand up. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Maybe you're here this morning and say, Pastor, you talked about knowing that you're on your way to heaven, that Jesus is your Savior. I don't have that confidence. I do not know if I died, I'd go to heaven. But I'd like to know. You say, Pastor, that's me. I'm unsure of my eternal destiny. Pastor, pray for me. I won't come to you. I won't embarrass you, but I'd like to pray for you. Say, that's me this morning, Pastor. Just slip your hand up. I'm unsure. I'd like to know, but I don't know that if I died, I'd go to heaven. Concerned about it. Raise your hand. Let me pray for you this morning. Anybody this morning? Unsure. I see your hand. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Who else? Pastor, I'm not sure. I'm concerned about it. Pray for me. Pray for me. Here in just a moment, we're going to all stay. When we do, we're going to have pastors down front. And if you would, let me encourage you to come forward and we'll have someone take the Bible and just show you what God says about you going to heaven. Answer questions that you have and help you with that so you don't walk out not knowing. And Father, you know the needs of each person. This one that raised their hand, others that possibly should have, uh, your people that uh, have raised a hand, knowing a decision that was needing to be made. I pray that you'd work now in this invitation. Speak to hearts. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as the instruments play. If the Lord spoke to your heart this morning, you respond. You come. Unsure of your eternal destiny, you come. Uh, if you, you made a decision, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something with the message that I was just uh, shared with. You come, talk to the Lord about that. Maybe here you've, you've been saved and need to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. You're saved, baptized, feel like this is where God would have you join. You come. 
We welcome you. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.